0: Um, we're continuing on with the fruit of God's Spirit, and uh, we're on patience this week. I don't know if you've noticed, but in our in our kind of grouping of the different things, and we're just taking them in order, the first three, love, joy, peace, sounds kind of like a cup you get from a bistro or something, but um, love, joy, and peace all seem to be kind of like they're on the same vine. I don't know if you've the same thing, but as I was preaching a sermons, I thought, man, I've kind of covered some of this before. There's some overlap there. They're very similar in a way. Love is uh, about changing your focus. You can't love somebody if you love yourself first. And I know that's not what society teaches you. They actually teach you you need to love somebody before you n- know. You, you need to love somebody before you lo- can love somebody else. But that's that's not biblical teaching. That's worldly teaching. In fact, loving yourself will get in the way of loving somebody else. If you don't believe me, ask your loved ones uh, what they think about that. So um, the thing is that the devil has to counterfeit things that we want and offer us substitutes. And that's what he does here. And so uh, the world will tell you love's an emotion. Love's an emotion. It isn't because we're commanded to love, therefore love is a choice. But the world tells you love's an emotion. But here's what's really twisted and I don't know if you ever sat here and thought about that but if you ask somebody how do you know you're in love or ask it this way how do you know you love someone you know if you're engaged to get married how do you know you love this person you want to marry them how, how do you know? you know if you're just starting a date what you know at what point do you know you love them here's what's really weird about the world's teachings they tell you you will know your love not because of you but because of how that person makes you feel you see how it's all centered on you it's like, uh, I know I love you because I, I feel great when I'm with you. So it's all about me, really. That's how I know I love you, because you make me feel great when I'm with you. The problem, of course, is uh, the other person's hoping for the same thing, right? And um, so that kind of becomes a bit of an issue. But what the Bible tells us is you need to take your focus off yourself if you're going to really love someone. And we need to put our focus on God. And then we talked uh, two weeks ago about joy. You know, the joy is actually changing your pursuit because the world tells you to pursue happiness. You know, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. But the Bible says, no, no, you want joy. You don't want happiness. And the reason is because happiness is based on your circumstances. In order to really control your happiness, if that's what you're after, you need to control your circumstances because your happiness is simply a response to your circumstances. My wife sits down to food. She's happy. You know? Now that's something she can create three times a day or more, I guess, if she didn't care how much weight she gained, but, but uh, that's happiness. And she recognizes that's happiness. But she actually turns into joy because she thanks God. So she brings the focus back to God. And that's really what it's about. But the world teaches you to control your circumstances. If you truly want to be happy, you need to control your circumstances. Then you can be happy. And, and, and you have a right to happiness. It's in, your con- it's in our Declaration of Independence. So be happy. Control your circumstances. Pursue happiness. People who pursue happiness die very disappointed, including the guy who wrote those words, Thomas Jefferson. It, 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 it's, it's an exhausting exhausting way to live your life because you can't control your circumstances. Other people get choices too. That's what you'll learn. It's not all about you. And then last week we talked about peace, which is still kind of moving in the same line because peace is resting in the Lord. And, And when God comes into your life in a powerful way, when he comes with his presence, he casts out fear. The absence of fear is what peace is. I was going to give this illustration last week and I forgot, but have you ever been in a hot tub that has a timer on it? some of you maybe. <clears throat> uh, when I was a kid, we had this thing stuck in a bathtub and it spun around, you know, it's like a blender for your bathtub or whatever. But it was like a whirlpool bath. Uh, but it's okay, because we, we were so small, it was, like a, it was like a big whirlpool bath. It was really cool. You put that thing in, you would set the little timer and it'd churn up the water and you'd sit in there, woo, bubbles, you know. And as a kid, I loved it. But my favorite part was when you heard the ding and the thing shut off. And I would actually sit really still because you could feel all the water churning around you suddenly just ease out until there's no churning at all. That's my favorite part because I could feel all the bubbles and everything just kind of turn into still water. That's what it is when God enters your life and casts out fear. All the churning in your life just then goes away and what you're left with is a still water. That's what God says peace is. That's why you can have peace in any circumstance. Peace that passes understanding. But the world either tells you that peace is fleeting and hard to get or it tells you that you need a routine and a regimen to control it. You can get peace in your life if you have some kind of a routine and different meditation things and think of a calm river or whatever. There's different techniques and you need to get in a place, a happy place, and you need to try to bring peace to your life and, and meditate. And, and it's, it's impossible to do when you really need it, believe me, because you can't control these kind of things. Peace is when God enters your life and casts out fear. You'll know peace. And it won't matter what's going on around you. We talked about that with Paul. Okay, so these are all fruits that are on kind of one vine, and they're all desirable. And that's why Satan counterfeits each one of them. Because nobody says, oh, I really don't want love, peace, or joy. They don't. No one will tell you that. And so the, Satan counterfeits each one to try to pull you away from the real fruit with a fake fruit. We're about to go into one, though, that he doesn't have to counterfeit. Because really, uh, nobody really likes it. If, if, if uh, peace, joy, and love are kind of like grapes on a vine or whatever you love. I don't know, apples, pears, whatever you love seeing that's just desirable. Uh, patience is like a coconut. <laughs> you kind of look at that and say, who wants that? I'm just... You know, sometimes, I don't know, there's certain things that in our lives uh, we just take for granted, but I'm wondering about the first person. What's was the first person who pulled a coconut off a tree and thought, you know, if I can dig through all this on the outside, I can get to something really, really good? I don't know who thought that. Hats off to them, uh, because I would have given up, because I don't know if you've ever had a coconut and tried to get into it, but it's hard. You know, especially if you buy the husk, which is all hardened and stuff and hairy, and, and you buy that, you know, at at the store. Have you ever tried, like, with a screwdriver, or a hammer, and a knife, try to get into one of those? Good luck. I mean, you know, you need a chainsaw or something to get into those things. They're hard. Once you get in, it's great because the, the coconut is fruit. They've actually separated the juice and the pulp for you. You don't even have to, you know, you you know, take some apple juice, you have to press it, or orange juice, you have to squeeze it. Not a coconut. You open up, there it is. You know, we've separated it for you all, all automatically. It's really worth it when you get. Th- through it but do you really want patience? I mean I hear people sometimes tell me I know I need more patience in my life but they don't really say I want it they just say I know they need it and what they really mean is I know I yell at my kids and my, my spouse too much I should stop that you know it's really not so much I want the patience because if you think about it what does patience get you? I mean, I mean, let's be honest. If you're a patient person, what does that mean? Doesn't that mean you come and last all the time? Because don't you keep letting other people in? <laughs> like if you're going across the Elizabeth Bridge and you're in that lane where you're supposed to be in and somebody's coming up beside you and they didn't play by the rules, right? And they're trying to cut in in front of you. Doesn't a patient person say, why, sure, go in front of me. Who wants to be that person? I, I, I kind of get closer. No, you can't get in. You, you didn't play by the rules. You can't get in. I've been waiting. That's how I do it. You know, you're in Walmart, waiting, someone wants to cut in front of you, you're into 10 items or less, they got 35 items in there. In their, patient person would go, hey, yeah, go ahead, get on in, with your 35 items in the 10 item lane. I'm patient. I got no place to be. That's not me. That's really nothing that I want to be because it seems to me that the patient person gets taken advantage of so much. And I, don't know, I'm just I can see you're all looking at me like, wow, why are you the pastor? I, I just think I'm being honest and you guys are lying. I don't think anybody here really wants to be patient. And um, I, I, I have some, some things to give you today to let you know why you want to crack through the coconut shell and why patience is really something you want in your life, and it's why it's a very important fruit that God gives us. But all the devil does is play into your fears that you don't want to be patient. Because every time you're impatient, you're being driven by one of two things, pride or fear. And the devil uses that to drive you away from patience. But patience is a very important fruit in our lives. And if we don't get it, we're not going to really get the fullness of the Christian life that we need. So I'm going to give you three reasons why you want patience in your life. Number one, patience is a measurement of your faith. Let me put this another way the depth of your trust can be measured by the length of your patience. Because if God says wait, and you wait, it shows you trust Him. What's very difficult is to wait when you see people around you not waiting. That's the worst, right? It said no one else is waiting. Why am I waiting? And, and, and you're trying to figure out exactly how, 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 to, how to wait long enough. What, how long am I waiting? Why am I waiting? And, and really, it's a very deep trust in the Lord that when he says wait, you wait. I'm trying to teach my dog to stay right now. It's kind of the same sort of a thing. It's a very hard process because he's kind of like me. You know, I take two steps back. He takes two steps forward. No, I said wait. You know, and it's very difficult. But sometimes I need him to stay. Because he's in danger if he doesn't. I can't explain that to him. He doesn't even see the danger. But I need him to stay. And a lot of times God needs us to stay for reasons. And, and because I said so should be reason enough. But it isn't for us, is it? We don't really want to stay that long. There's a very famous scripture uh, where Jesus tells his disciples to wait. And we don't normally think of it this way. But uh, he, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he only takes his three closest friends. He doesn't even try with the other ones. He just the three closest friends of his. He takes him and says, "My soul's deeply grieved to the point of death. Wait here. Keep watch with me. Wait here." Old Testament, New King ja- uh, King James had tarry here. We don't use the word tarry anymore. Wait here. Stay with me. Can you wait with me? And of course they couldn't. They came there physically, but they fell asleep. And when he comes back to him, what does he say to him? He says, "Your spirit's willing, but your flesh is weak. You have not yet progressed to the port, part." where your spirit controls your flesh. Your flesh is still controlling your spirit. But Jesus forgives him for that. He says, well, okay. Your spirit was willing at least. The, other, the others, they didn't even have that. And so he took his closest friends, even though he knew they weren't quite ready yet. But this is the thing. Can you wait just because God said wait? If you can, it shows you with your depth of trust in the Lord. If you want to know where your faith lies... Just ask yourself, well, last time you stayed put when God told you to wait without getting anxious. It's not easy to do. I'm, I'm confessing to you. Patience is one of my hardest things. Uh, I don't like to wait. I hate waiting. I'd rather charge into battle. You know, let's go assault hells, the gates of hell with squirt guns. Let's go. I'm willing to do that. But boy, wait. Just wait. You know. Oh boy, I don't want to do that. But the disciples did learn how to wait and did learn how to wait well. And, he, and uh, it says, gather them together, Jesus commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. He's this before he, you know, ascended back. This is after he died, but before he sent it back, he says, You can go to Jerusalem and you wait there. And you wait until you get what the Father promised. They had no idea what he's talking about. They kind of had an idea. He told them the comforter was coming, the Holy Spirit, but they didn't know what the sign would be when it came. When God came, they recognized it. But he says, You go and you wait. And they all gathered together in the upper room and just waited there until God sent what he promised. There are people looking for them. There are people looking for them to get, you know, what's going on with Jesus, what happened. Uh, there are also government officials who are looking for them. Jewish officials who are looking for them. Scary time. You want to go run and hide. But Jesus said, wait. So we will wait here. And because they waited, the Holy Spirit came upon all of them. Can you imagine if three of them had run away? When the Holy Spirit showed up, they wouldn't have been there. So it's very, very important. Can you wait when impatience seems to be working for others? This is the hardest thing. They're not waiting and they're getting ahead of me. That's, they're not playing by the rules. They seem to be getting ahead. But Jesus said, wait. Wait can you do it then? Uh, In uh, Psalms, the psalmist says this, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him that he will bring it to pass. What? Whatever he told you he'd bring to pass. Trust him that he's going to bring it to pass. Be still before the Lord. Oh boy, now we're amping it up. Not only have to wait, I can't complain while I'm waiting. I need to be still, right? Just be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. You know, this is hard. Do not fret over those who prosper in their way or those who carry out evil devices. They seem to be prospering, but they're only prospering in their way. It's not real prospering. God will prosper you when the time comes in his way. Don't go after them. They seem like they're getting ahead, but they're not. They're simply getting ahead in this world. You want to get ahead in the the world of heaven. So this is wait, wait, wait. So that's number one. Number two, um, Patience lets us savor the blessings from God. You know, we're talking about the fruits of the Spirit. If you don't have patience, you'll barely taste the fruit. Have you ever had to eat in a rush? I think all of us have. <laughs> Some of us eat in a rush, even when we don't have to, but we eat in a rush, you know? Just kind of grab the food, throw it in your mouth, and you're moving, moving on. Did you enjoy that food? If, if somebody gives you a huge gourmet meal, do you want to just plop as much in your mouth and keep running on? No. There's a reason why you can go to McDonald's for fast food, because it's McDonald's food, right? It's like, oh, it doesn't matter, sit or not. I'm just going to go through here. But if someone prepares a meal for you, and it's delicious, why would you rush through that? Wouldn't you wait to savor every bite? God's trying to give you blessings in your life, and you're rushing on to the next thing. God said, like, whoa, 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 whoa. In fact, uh, a very, very famous scripture deals with this. In fact, if I, if I ask people, non-Christian or Christian alike, do you know Psalm 23? Everybody can probably quote parts of, if not all of, Psalm 23. And, and I'm you know, going to put it up here to get you started here. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Want means I, won't, I will want for nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Now most of you, graduates of CCD class or graduates of vaca- Vacation Bible School, which, whichever, or Sunday school, you know what comes next, right? But I want you to pretend you don't. Just kind of, Blank your mind a little bit. We're talking about, you know, the metaphor David's given us here is a shepherd, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I'm a sheep. I I have everything I need. That's how he starts. And then he has this verse next, verse 2, that's going to talk about green pastures. And if you did not know, because it was, you know, drilled into your mind by some nun with a ruler or something and your fingers. uh, If you didn't know from that, uh, if you're just kind of guessing what comes next and gets filled into this blank, Uh, What is it? He blank green pastures. Something about green pastures. He leads me into green pastures. He brings me to, he provides green pastures. Uh, He lets me eat in green pastures. Because green pastures, by the way, that's like the greatest smorgasbord in the world for a sheep, you know, that's great. They love green pastures. Oh, look at this, this is everything I want. Great, deep green pastures. That's what we're thinking, Uh, but the verse, those of you who remember from Sunday school know, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Makes me. As in forces me against my will to lie down in green pastures. What? Isn't this one of the strangest second verses in a, in a, in a psalm that you can think of? He makes me lie down in green pastures. I actually looked that word up, the Hebrew word for this. And, and really, if you're going you're to translate it fully, it was more like this. He establishes a rule that I must lie down in green pastures. It's like this make is like building a structure. He's like, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Why is that? Well, that's because the way sheep work. Now, you know, we got to Round Hill Park, those sheep like stay in that pasture the whole time. But the sheep that... David's referring to are, are transient sheep. They're sheep, they move from pasture to pasture to pasture. They follow the leader. The leader's a the shepherd, but actually the, who follows the shepherd is the leading sheep, and everybody else just follows the sheep. That's how sheep work. They've come to green pastures that the, the shepherd knows it's time to stop. Here's where we're going to stop, but the sheep don't. And if they don't say anything, the sheep will walk right through that green pasture. They'll walk through it because they're following the flock, and the flock's walking through it. But here's something else interesting about sheep. They can graze while they walk. They chew it up into something called cud. Almost like, you know, like mail pouch tobacco in their mouth, you know. Almost like the big ball players out there. And they're walking along, they're chewing, and they, kinda, they get the, the, the juices out of it. You know, the water and things. But they, they kind of gather it up here. But this is where all the nutrition is, the pulp, the fiber, the nutrition. And he makes them lie down so they digest that. That's why, that's why the good shepherd makes them lie down. Because they've been running along gathering stuff, but now it's time to sit down and let it sink into your body. So your body can actually prosper from it. We oftentimes never get to enjoy God's gifts because we rush past them. We never take the time to let it come down into us. Right? We never let that stuff we've been grazing, you know, learning all this stuff. We're so good about learning things in America. So many different ways you can learn. You can learn online, you can learn in podcasts, you can come to church, whatever, books. Everything you can do. But at some point, it has to become part of you or you didn't do anything. The Bible tells us to grow in knowledge and in grace, and it's not the same thing. So uh, there comes a moment we have to lie down in green pastures because we only grow in him when we wait on him. And God can give you the fruit of love. He can give you the fruit of joy. He can give you the fruit of peace. But if you're running through it, you're not going to eat it. You're just going to move on to the next thing. So many times in our lives, we just never appreciate the blessings and gifts God gives us because we're too busy rushing to the next thing. Wait. The Bible says late. Again in a psalm, the psalmist says this, I will wait for the Lord. My soul does wait. In his word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than a watchman waits for the morning. That's how I'm waiting. Now the watchman, of course, he's he's on a parapet. He's looking out in the darkness trying to make sure no enemy's coming. He can't wait till morning gets there. Why? So he can see things. All Also, probably his shift's over. So what he's saying is more than that, as much as he's looking forward to morning, I'm waiting on the Lord. It's okay to wait expectantly on the Lord. I can't wait till he gets here. I can't wait till we can move on. I can't wait till his word tells me the next thing to do. I'm looking forward to that moment. But until I get that moment, I will wait. He says, those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. This is a famous, famous verse. We all know the second part. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not be weary. We love this part, but it starts with waiting. It says, those who wait will gain new strength. That's what he's saying. Wait first. So many, by the way, there are over 100 verses in the Bible that talk about waiting upon the Lord. Over 100. We need to learn how to wait upon the Lord in order to get the rest of the promise. If the promise says that we're going to be able to run and not be weary. We want to do that. But before you get there, you wait. It's what the scripture says. One more, and then we'll move on to the next point. My soul, wait in silence. Here it goes again. It's not enough to wait. I can't complain while I'm waiting. That doesn't count. Wait in silence for God only. My hope is from Him. He's my rock, my salvation. He's my stronghold, and I will not be shaken. My hope's in the Lord. I will wait upon the Lord. He's going to make all this stuff happen. The stronghold, the peace, the strength. But it comes from waiting upon the Lord. We can't rush through this part. We need it. And then finally, number three, patience gives us time to grow. And there's this very very famous verse, I think, in 1 Corinthians where Paul says this, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Throughout the Bible, is this idea of seasons. Ecclesiastes says there's a season for everything. And, and God's always talking about bringing us along in a season. But even though he may call us at a young age, he's careful to not give us too much until we're old enough to withstand it. Uh, Joseph was 15 years old. When he got his dream, the famous dream where you know, he had the stars bowing down and he knew it was him and he knew his family was going to bow down to him, this prophetic dream. But he had no idea what that meant. What that was going to mean was he would become the most powerful person really in the world at that time and everybody would bow down to him. That's what the dream meant. He didn't understand that, but he had this dream when he was 15 years old. He would not step into his destiny until he was 30 years old. 15 years would go by. Twelve of those went by when he was in prison. Now, why in the world would God burden a 15-year-old with his dream and not give it to him for 15 years? Because he was not yet ready to withhold his destiny. And he had many things to learn. You know, God takes his time. He's not, you know, when you're waiting, God's not, not busy. God's working while you're waiting and he took him and he went through prison that might seem really harsh but you have to understand that joseph is going to literally have the power of life and death over people and and there was a panic going on because there was a drought going on and when people don't get food they get surly you know just ask the french revolution and and so when people aren't or people are hungry they attack and joseph was the one person standing between this it is very easy to be unjust in that world it's very easy to use your position To benefit you. But God took him and put him in prison. Wrongly accused where he lived for many years. Do you know when Joseph came out. What he understood justice. He was fully prepared. To administer this in a just and fair way. And you know he did. Because there was never a riot. Everybody always trusted Joseph's word. Because he had learned justice. And he administered justice. God's preparing him. Look God does look at the heart. He looked at Joseph's heart, he looks at the heart, but he does not ignore the vessel. And the heart is important, but the vessel must be able to handle the weight of the destiny. So if you feel God's calling you to do something, he very well may be. But we need to wait on him and kind of tuck into him a little bit because he is not yet giving us, because we're not ready to withstand it. Uh, David was 12 years old when he was anointed to be king. We don't know exactly, by the way, the Bible doesn't tell us. The reason I personally believe he was 12 was because he was not invited to dinner. Samuel came and everybody's invited, all his brothers were invited, but not David. And I believe the reason he wasn't invited was he was not yet considered a man. That happens at age 13. Now he was tending the sheep, but they call him in from the sheep later so he can leave the sheep. But he wasn't invited to dinner. I believe he was about 12. And that tracks with about other things that happened in his life. He was probably about 12 years old when he was anointed king. He's about 16, 17 when he fought Goliath in the most famous battle in history. He would not become king for 13 more years. Now why would God anoint David at age 12 if he's not going to be king until he's 30? Why would he do that? Well, if you look at what happens in David's life, is he goes from there, and the Holy Spirit teaches him how to fight. He goes from that into a battle, fights and kills Goliath, so everybody knows who he is. He becomes instantly famous, and he goes and he lives in the palace. He was given the princess's hand in marriage in return for killing Goliath, and he lives there for several years. He's very good at what he does. They put him in charge of armies, and he wins. He always wins. The people love him. The king gets jealous, tries to kill him. He runs for his life. Interestingly, he doesn't run to any of the other people in the palace. He doesn't run to anybody in his army who followed him. He ran as far as he could, and he found a renegade priest in the middle of nowhere. That's who he runs to. And he goes from there to villagers and small towns. He lives amongst the poorest of the people. And for all the years he's on run for his life, he sees these poor people share their food with him. He's, he sees people who are afraid... Of Saul and his army hide him and lie about hiding him so Saul can't find him. He sees the heart of the people. When he steps in to become their king, there's no doubt he's going to be the king of all the people because he's lived with both sides. He's lived in the palace. He's lived in the poor. He understands them and he unites Israel, by the way, for the first time ever. He's the first king to do that. But how could David possibly become the shepherd of God's people if they didn't know his voice? He spent time with them. They knew his voice. And he knew them. And you see this. His heart never leaves the poor people. Never. So he, he was being prepared. He was not yet ready for his destiny. The vessel would break. There's weight that comes with the destiny. There's weight that comes with the fruit. And so he has to wait. But listen, the biggest fruit grows on the largest branches. God sometimes has to prepare the tree in order to withstand the weight of the fruit he's about to give it. So sometimes he's working your lives in a way to get you prepared for what he needs for you to do. He's going to give you a great blessing, but you can't withstand it. And I was like, oh God, give me the blessing now. What good is he going to do if it breaks you? So he wants to bring you to that. And in 1 Corinthians, he said, uh, Paul's writing says this, brethren, I couldn't speak to you back then as spiritual men." But you're like infants. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food. You weren't even able to receive it. In fact, you're still not ready to receive it. This, by the way, is a, is a condemnation of them. It says, you should be growing up by now. You've been waiting and not doing anything. You need to grow up. You need to stop being a baby. And, and, and when I was there before, I understood it. But I don't understand it now. That's what he's saying. We're supposed to grow in the Lord. It's not just a matter of waiting. We're supposed to take that time. We're supposed to grow in the Lord. And we have to understand there's no way we can obey God's word unless we're willing to wait upon his word. In Genesis, the Bible says that when Joseph was in prison, he remembered the prophecy that had been given to him. He said, and until the word of the Lord, which is prophecy, until the prophetic word of the Lord came to pass or came true, until that moment, the word of the Lord tested him. His own prophetic word was testing him. Are you willing to wait upon the Lord... For him to do this or not? Are you going to try to manipulate things and get out on your own? Are you willing to wait upon the Lord? Our problem is we think time's going by too fast. God, we got to get moving on this. Can you not see what's happening right now? We need to get moving because I'm not going to be this age forever. I, I have plans. I have things I got to accomplish, and you're wasting my youth. Yeah. Not, I don't have that prayer anymore. But now you're wasting my middle age. What, God, what, when exactly are we going to move forward on this? And we feel that impatience. That's the devil trying to draw us away. You're running out of time. You better get moving soon. should have been married by now. should have had kids by now. You should be in a better house by now. That promotion should have happened by now. You need to move forward here. Come on, get moving, get moving, get moving. That's the devil driving you forward. Impatience always comes from the devil. The fruit of patience comes from the Lord. Can you wait upon the Lord. This happens uh, a lot of times when, when we need to know that the main thing is just to be with God. If we ever get in our lives, you know, God, I just want to be with you. And if you want me to wait with you or walk with you, I'm okay with either. Either one's fine. Just tell me what we're doing and I'll do it. There's a story that people most, mostly know about Martha and Mary, these two sisters. And they, they scored the greatest get of the time. Jesus was coming to their house for dinner which was amazing because Jesus was like a rock star by this time. Everybody wanted him. Every leader, every synagogue leader, everybody wanted Jesus to come to dinner. They managed to score the get. You know, Martha somehow got Jesus to agree to come to their place, and she wants it perfect because she wants this opportunity to have this person who's just amazing. Everybody's talking about in their house for conversation. Isn't that great? That'd be like wonderful. Can you imagine what that'd be like? I mean, I don't know what you're into, but it'd be like the greatest of that person of that day coming to your house, you know. You, you're into hockey. You know, you Sidney Crosby going to come and have dinner with you. You can talk to him. Or Mary Lemieux. Uh, you, you're, you're a guitarist or something. You know The greatest guitarist of the, of the time is going to come and talk to you. He's going to be here all, all afternoon. Whatever that is. In this case, it was Jesus Christ. And he knew more than anybody about God. He knew them more than anybody about heaven. And they were coming to our house. This is great. We're going to have him here. We can ask him questions. I don't know about you, but I would love to sit down with Jesus and ask him questions. I'm a little afraid of his answers, I'll be honest. But I love the opportunity to sit down and ask him questions because there's so many things I want to know. This is your opportunity. Jesus is coming to dinner. And so she wants it to be perfect. I get that. We want things to be perfect. Yeah, I'm having God come here. I want it to be perfect. I get that. But he's there and she's running around still trying to make sure everything's perfect. Wait a minute. Silver's dirty. Let me go wash that. You know, everything's working on. Mary, her sister, is sitting there listening to Jesus. Isn't that the purpose of this visit, after all? To, to listen to Jesus talk, to sit there and ask questions and hear what he says? Isn't that the purpose of this visit? So Mary's there, man. She's soaking it in. She's soaking it in. And Martha's doing all the work alone in the kitchen. And she starts banging pots and pans, you know, making things a little louder, kind of walking by and huffing when she walks by Mary. Mary doesn't, doesn't care. This Jesus, he's amazing, you know. And so finally, Mary turns, Martha turns to Jesus and said, would you please tell that girl right there to help out in the kitchen? You know, Send him in the kitchen like any other good rabbi would have done by now because this is what rabbis do. And Jesus says this. He says, look, Martha, you're worried about many things and bothered by many things. Only one thing is necessary. Mary's seen that, and I'm going to take it away from her. Was not the purpose of me coming here for me to be here with you? And you're worried about all these things, none of those things matter. You're, you're worried about so many things. You should be worried about one thing. Sit down. Take a loaf. If, 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 if I need to do dinner, I'll do dinner. You should see what I could do with you know, two fish and five loaves of bread. You won't believe it, Martha. I can, I can do stuff. I'm here. Sit down. See, so this is what waiting on the Lord's about. Are you willing to just sit down with the Lord and wait? If we get to the point where we understand that is the purpose, then we'll be fine. And we'll stop worrying about the devil whispering in our ears, you're running out of time. You're running out of time. I used to think that a lot when I was younger. I am running out of time. I'm not going to get anything done that I wanted to get done. None of that matters. I wasted so much time rushing through, making mistakes. And we're not getting the stuff done either because I was rushing. And I was never appreciating that God's here. God's here. He's present. He's with me right now. And I'm not appreciating that. You need to back up. I've said this before and it bears repeating. Listen, don't worry about where you are in your life. The infinite God is never out of time. Would you all please pray with me?